spiritual survival. I really believe that our day, as the days get closer to the Lord's coming, I believe that we need to have in our arsenal some of these things. And I've got a bag up here. I'm not going to tell you what's really in this bag, but uh, this is a spiritual survival kit. This is actually one of the little shocker things. So if anybody like dies here, we can bring you back to life. So don't worry. But, but the purpose of today, it is a spiritual survival uh, bag. I just told you I wasn't going to tell you what was in it, and then I did it. So uh, <laughs> let me get my focus. I haven't spoken this year at all, so this is, this is my first time. <laughs> my first time here. Anyway, actually, how many of you have seen online? They have videos. They got checklists. If you need a survival kit, how many of you know your survival kit is going to be a little bit different if you live in the desert versus if you live in the mountains? Right, you're going to need a few different items, so you can have that. You can go through the checklist depending on what you want, what you need. Uh, but how many of you know it's easy? If you don't have a checklist, it's easy to forget some things. Right, it's easy to forget. Oh man, I didn't pack this and I didn't pack that yesterday. Who would have thought that people had to be evacuated because of rain? I'm like, for years it's all, nothing but drought, and we get a little drizzle here and there. Uh, now all of a sudden people are having to pack up and get out of their house. I mean, that's important. I, let me say, in an emergency, it's easy to forget some things. I forget things when I just pack a regular bag to go on vacation. Anybody else with me? Anyone ever forget your toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, deodorant, change of underwear? Don't tell me about that. But uh, there's a lot of things that are easy to forget And over this month of January, we've got five Sundays this month. I'm going to talk about five essentials that you and I need in our spiritual survival kit. If you're going to make it, if you're going to thrive, I believe God wants us to thrive in our relationship with him. Does anybody want to just kind of hobble along and, you know, oh, when I get up to heaven, I'll finally make it. God didn't call us. He called us more than uh, overcoming victory is ours. We are victorious, but sometimes as Christians, people just feel like, man, I've just been beat up by the world. They look like Rocky at the end of his fight, right? All bloody and swollen. Uh, That shouldn't be the case. If we have God on our side, if Christ is for you, what does the scripture say? Who can be against you, right? So we need to act like it. We need to walk like it. And so the things that we're going to talk about uh, are dealing with that. So the first thing that we are talking about, Pastor Carl, and is fasting. And uh, this is an important tool, I believe, in your, in your spiritual survival kit. And, and I can just say, every year that Colleen and I have been pastors, except for one year, we've started off the, the year with the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, let me say, after that one year that we didn't do it, it was such a horrible year. <laughs> it was a wreck of a year. We're like, never again. God, we, even if nobody else does, we need to do it for ourselves. So it's so important that we focus that. And I will say this also, after, after we've done this almost every year, I've had somebody, maybe they've been a follower for, of Christ for a long time, and they say, you know what, that's the first time I've ever fasted. And they've seen miraculous uh, God do some amazing things in their life. So I believe there's something to be said about putting God first at the beginning of a year, beginning of a day, beginning of a week, right? You put God at the beginning, then uh, everything else... That's how the tithe works, right? You don't give God the leftovers, you give Him the first, right? When we put God first, that really does make a difference. It, It tells you what your priorities are. 
Lord, are you an afterthought or are you my priority? So we want God to be first in everything. So here's the thing I want to talk about. Why do I need to fast? Why is that important? I want to start with a very familiar passage out of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Jesus is telling him, says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? Right? How many of you know those are three main things that people worried about back then? That's not such a big deal today for us, is it? I mean, living here in America, there's not a lot of people that are worried about eating, even though they'll say, oh, you know what? There is access. If you, you can have food stamps, there's food pantries, there's various churches that have food banks. Uh, you can go to the upper room if you live up here, get a meal. You can go to Green Valley. They give out uh, food. on. There is access to food today that, guess what? Back then, they didn't have that, right? Back in those days, food was a big deal. Uh, you didn't have pantry full of food. You know, sometimes it's like, man, I just don't have anything to eat, but yet our pantry and our fridge is still full of food, right? There's something you can eat. So that was an issue back then, not as much now. Drinking, that was, a, that was how many, they didn't have water faucets everywhere. Right? Uh, today, you can drink something somewhere. You can get water. Listen, you can go up to your neighbor's house and drink from their water hose. And some people are thinking, how many of you guys did that as a kid? Look at all those hands. I did it all the time. However, you guys, if you don't know it, I grew up in West Texas, and so it was 180 degrees or something like that. You uh, made sure that you turned it on and let it run for a while before you got a drink. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be drinking hot water, really hot water. But it tasted like hose, but you know what? When you're thirsty, you'll drink it. What, drinking is not a big deal. Clothes, it's really not an issue. It, it may not be your designer clothes, may not be the shirt you want, but you can get clothes around right now. That's not as big of an issue, uh, but all of those things were not accessible. So the point is what was ex- not accessible, it's what are we worrying about? And so today, what are some of the things that we worry about? Somebody give me some ideas. What are some common worries that people have? What was that? Meals? Bills, yes, bills. Did I hear someone else? Job security. What are some other things people worry about? Health. Gas prices, yeah. Their children, worrying about your kids. Aging parents. My kids aren't worrying about that, I hope, so. <laughs> Maybe you are, I don't know. Yeah, all of those things. Our retirement, my 401k, oh my goodness, this last year it took a hit. There's a lot of things that we worry about. So the point that Jesus is trying to make here is not what are the things, because there's always something to worry about. Am I right? There's always something to worry about. But Jesus is saying, do not worry. What does he say in verse 32? He goes, these things, whatever the things are that you worry about, it says they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your need. Isn't that an interesting contrast? It's like God knows what our needs are, whether it's our kids, whether it's our bills, whether it's our health, whatever the situation. God already knows it, so we sometimes worry. It's like, let me just take it. i got to fix it. i got to come up with it. Uh, last I checked, nobody is able to materialize money to pay your bills, are they? No, you got to work for it, right? So uh, we can worry about all of those things, but he says that's dominating your thoughts. So the question, what dominates your thoughts? 
What is it that maybe you go to sleep at night and those thoughts go around and around and around in your head and keep you from going to sleep? Or maybe you wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and those thoughts are there. It's like, oh no, how am I going to take care of this? How am I, what my job, what's going to happen there? All of those things are going on, but Jesus tells us what to do. He says, for an unbeliever, for those that don't know God and don't know the God that already knows all of our needs, he tells us to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That's really, if we can do those two things right there, how many of you know everything else in life is going to be a breeze? Right? Yeah, you're still going to have challenges. You're going to still have reasons to worry, but you're not going to have to worry because you're seeking God's kingdom and you're living according to God's word. It makes a huge difference in your life. The word seek there really means to desire, seek, look for, try to attain. How many of you know it's an active process? It's not like, well, you know what? I showed up to church and looked around, didn't see God, so I'm out of here. Right? It's not, I picked up my Bible, you know, I read a couple of verses and shut it. No, it is an active process. The, the, the verb there is a present tense active imperative, meaning like, you got to be on it. And it's not something that I found God and then I've got him, stick him in my pocket. No, it's an ongoing, everyday process in our life, seeking after God's presence. Seeking after him. And Jesus is saying seeking is something that, like, that we have to constantly do. And so the question, are you actively seeking the kingdom of God above all else? Are we really doing that? Or have we allowed these worries in our life to kind of crowd in? Because that's, that's really what it is. You can't, seeking God and trusting God, you can't worry and trust God at the same time. Have you ever tried that? Oh, God, I trust you to take care of my big financial bill. Oh, no, what am I going to do about my bill? Right? It doesn't really go. You can say it, but if I'm still carrying the worry, then I'm not really trusting. It's like, okay, God, I'm seeking after you, uh, because what happens is worry really begins to choke us out, doesn't it? There's a, there's a parable that Jesus told about the four so- soils. So anyway, he tells us four types of store, uh, soil that hear the word of God. The third soil was the thorns that choked out the word. And he describes what it is. He goes, the one who received the seed or God's word, that could be any one of us, whether you're reading God's word, whether you're hearing a message, if you receive it and it fell among the thorns, is like the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, right? Bills, kids, health, all of those things, and the deceitfulness of wealth. How many of you know that can be deceitful too? Because the deceitfulness of wealth makes you think you got it. You know, I got this. I, I don't need God right now. I'll ask God when I really come to, come to need. But those things choke the word that God wants to put in your life and makes it unfruitful. And what does that tell me? That tells me that in churches around the world, people that love God but are more concerned with the worries of this life or the deceitfulness of wealth, they're unfruitful. Because those things are literally choking uh, the spiritual life on the inside of you. Like I said, whatever it is. So what about those that hear the word and they are seeking him? Because that's who we all want to be, right? I want to be the person that hears God's word, seeks after him above all else. He says to do this, seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously. And then he says, and he will give you everything you need. Isn't that interesting? 
the things we worry about that we're like, how am I going to get it? How am I going to get it? If I'll just begin to seek after God and put my life in alignment with him, live righteously, then God's going to take care of my needs. Amen? Is there anybody that has experienced that in their life? Right? Five of you. Awesome. Anybody? (laughs) Raise your hand. If you've experienced it, God will provide. It's a guarantee. He is our provider. But I've got to get my eyes on the right. And, And I believe that even that word that was shared is really focusing. Seek God. Get your eyes on him. Stop looking at the past. Stop looking at the failures. Stop looking even at the successes of the past. Keep your eyes on him and and seek after him. God's going to provide everything that you have. And, And this is, I think, a common struggle. If you are a follower of Christ, we're constantly being pulled to worry and fret over the things of this world. Right? All you got to do is watch the news. And after it's over with, it's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? right? Our nation, our country, our this, our that, all of those things. So we're being pulled into this position of worry, or we need to say, no, wait a minute, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about politics. I'm not going to worry. That doesn't mean not to vote. Do vote whenever those times come, but I'm not going to let the results drag me down and make me worry and wonder what in the world's going to happen. No, because God is still on the throne, right? It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what those circumstances. It doesn't matter if you go out to your car and your transmission's on the ground and you got four flat tires. I mean, it matters, but not like it's going to take, it's not going to take worry in my life. God's going to provide. I can trust him in that. I'm going to seek after him. So we have this constant struggle in life, don't we? Oh no, worry. Worry wants to come. I want to tell you, worry will knock at your door every single day. We just don't have to answer it, do we? If you got one of the ring cameras now, you can look at that and say, oh man, worries at my door again. Uh, I'm not answering it. Not going to answer that door anymore, right? So how do I do that? How do I overcome this, this shift that's trying to keep me to worry versus trying to seek after God? And I believe that the answer, one of the answers really is fasting. Talking about that, like why, how would I do that? Let me start out with the first thing that that uh, uh, just a phrase that I want you to kind of ruminate on. Saying yes to one thing is saying no to something else. So think about that for a minute. When you say yes to this, you're actually saying no to something else. And, and, and that's just a reality. And this can be good or bad, right? It can, it can be one or the other. Too often, we have to, we, sometimes we say no to things that we should say yes to, and then we say yes to things that we should say no to. That's a battle that we need to do. So let me give you a few examples here. <clears throat> How many of you know, sometimes you go to, you're like, would you like French fries or a salad with that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, this is my first option right here. Anybody else with me? It's like, oh, okay, I'll eat a salad. I know some of you guys are like rabbits. You'd eat the salad any day. Uh, but some of us, some of us struggle with that. So that would be a good thing to say no to and yes to. Uh, How about this one right here? Oh, would you like a piece of chocolate cake? No, thank you. Right? I mean, that looks like a good piece of cake right there. Am I right? Like, I could eat that thing up right there, but it's a choice. So if I said yes to this, then the reality I'm saying, let me just say, I'm saying yes to something else too, right? How about this one? Sleeping in or get up and go work out? Oh, you know what? 
let me just hit the snooze button a few more times, and then, you know, after the 20th time hitting the snooze button, oh, man, I don't have time. i got to go to work. <laughs> right? It's a choice we make. Here, here's a choice that all of you guys that are here today overcame. Sleep in or come to church. All right? You guys did it. <laughs> you made a good choice right there. So I like what Pastor Colleen said. Everybody here has got 100% attendance. Good job. Here's another one. Watch TV or read the Bible. Can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I just don't have time to read the Bible, but they watch five hours of TV. Or, or, <laughs> anybody, is this a time consumer for anybody? I mean, I, it can suck my time. I hate getting the screen time notices that tell me how much time I spent on my phone. Anybody get those? I'm like, Lord, help me, right? So it's a choice that we make. How about this one? You can either share your faith with other people or just mind your own business. All right? You see somebody that, you know, you can tell they need to hear, no, I'm just minding my own business. All right? I got my blinders on. It's the choices that we make, right? And it's easy to do that. So if you look at all those choices there, then we would be like eating French fries and chocolate cake after we slept in, watched some TV, and minded our own business all day long. How do I change? How do I make a difference? How do I start saying yes to the things that I need to say and no to the things that I need to say no to. How do I do that? And so this past summer, I did a series on the fruit of the Spirit, the ninth fruit of the Spirit. Who remembers what it is? Starts with an S, ends with a control. Yeah, there we go. Self-control, right? How many of you know self-control gives us the ability to say yes or no at the right times? So if we don't have that fruit built up in our life, it makes it much more difficult in order to say that. And can I say that the fruit of the Spirit, it really is like, uh, oh, there we go, back to that. It really is like a muscle, right? If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And uh, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. That's just a reality. So what I'm saying, some of us need to learn how to and work that self-control to say no when we need to say it and say yes to some other things. Amen? So how do I exercise uh, the muscles? So I, wanna, I was going to grab a volunteer. Does anybody feel like they're strong and they could do some curls with this weight? It's only 25 pounds. Oh, Neil's going to do it. Rith is good. He just had shoulder surgery, so he's using his other one. All right, let's see here. Go ahead. And, we know how to work the muscle out, so that's, that's, a, that's heavier than it looks. Uh, do you think you could do that for 30 minutes? Uh, no. No, okay. All right, go ahead and put it down. What's going to happen after you do it long? Yes, give him a hand. What's going to happen? I mean, right there, he looked pretty strong at first. Eventually, what's going to happen? Right? Your, your arm's going to be going like, oh, uh, anybody ever been at the weight? It's like, uh, the first 20 times were okay, but now I can't lift it anymore. So it's how do you begin to lift it more is you have to work it out, right? You have to build that muscle up. We understand that. How do I build up my spiritual muscle? How do I build up self-control is that I need to exercise that. One of the best ways to exercise that is through fasting, right? That's why it's an essential in this kit. It's something that should define us as a believer. And like I said, if you don't use it, what happens if you don't use a muscle? I heard several people say it, atrophy, right? It begins to shrivel up. If you don't work out that muscle of self-control, eventually you're not going to be able to say no to anything. 
right? All of that is going to happen. So, uh, so this is huge. This really will impact your entire spiritual life. It really will. It'll make a difference. And so let me show you just how important it is to develop self-control. A couple of verses out of Proverbs. It says, uh, he will die for a lack of self-control. How many of you know self-control can be a matter of life and death? Right? If you can't control your temper, how many of you know people can die? Right? If you don't learn how to control, you know, road rage, all of that stuff, uh, fights, if you can't control your addictions in your life, how many of you know it's a bad road? What about this one right here? Proverbs 16, 32. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. So I think, wow, wouldn't you want to conquer the city? What, would, what good would it do to have a great victory in your life if you don't have self-control? Right? You're just going to lose it. Sometimes we, sometimes we self-sabotage ourselves. People that have a lot of talent can achieve a lot of things, but because they don't have the self-control, they lose those things. Right? So he's saying it's better to have self-control than even these great victories that we may think we have. And so I believe that God places a premium on self-control. It really is that important. Let me give you guys a, an interesting study I heard. How many of you guys like studies? I'd like to be able to do studies and not be a part of them. But uh, this one was that done to a bunch of college students. And uh, they gave all of these college students some puzzles and, and wanted to see who would solve them the quickest. So they put them in a room with these puzzles as they were working on them. The one thing they didn't tell them is that the puzzles were unsolvable. You're not going to be able to get an answer to it. And the, the researchers wanted to see how many times they would try before they got frustrated and gave up. Like, how long are you going to keep doing it? But, but before they did that, there was actually a pretest for all of them that really seemed completely unrelated. It was a taste study. And uh, the students thought it was completely unrelated. What happened is they sent them in a room. There was a plate of uh, freshly baked cookies, chocolate chip cookies. And then there was a bowl of radishes. For me, it could have been cilantro, right? So, uh, and it was there. And uh, the students, want, some of them were told, hey, listen, when you go in there, I want you to eat the chocolate chip cookies. Leave the radishes alone. Uh, other half of the group was told, go eat radishes only, but don't touch the cookies. Now, which group would you rather be in? Some of you, I know, will say radish. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> so they did that, and then they brought him into the room. Here's the result of that. The students, and here's the thing. This was right before lunch, too, because they wanted to make sure they were hungry. And uh, when it went back to the puzzle test, what they found out is that the radish eaters gave up quicker than the cookie eaters. It says that after only eight minutes, those that got the radishes gave up but those that ate the cookies lasted more than twice, almost 20 minutes going for it. I mean, that's a big difference. There's a reason behind that, right? So why did the radish eaters quick uh, so quickly? Pro they were hungry, maybe. I don't know. But uh, it says that they concluded that those who ate the radishes ran out of self-control quicker. All right? They ran out. So stick with me because I think this is huge. Like I said, when you go to work out, and you start out just like Neil started out, man, you're nice and strong, right? I got this, you know? But after a while, it's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Anybody ever walk out of the gym like your arms are quivering? And like, I'm glad there wasn't two services because I could have worn myself out the first one and been tired right now. But here's the reality. Eventually, your muscles do fatigue. 
and you can't do what you used to do. Your self-control is similar to that muscle. That's why I said that. And your ability to say no or yes at the right time does have its limits. It's kind of like if I brought the cookies in and, and you know, you're trying to watch your rate and you can smell them and you're like, no, no, thank you. I'm watching what I eat. No, thank you. And you're like, oh, you sure? And then you start seeing other people eating them and you see that gooey chocolate chip coming out of their mouth and you're watching. Are you sure? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. But then the smell gets to you. Eventually, you're going to like, okay, I'm just going to have one. All right, how many of you have been in that boat before? Like, no, 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 okay, I'm not having it. I'm just, give me that cookie monster on them, right? So what happens is that we do get fatigued even in that ability to say no to things. We get fatigued, and when we get fatigued, how many of you know sometimes you get frustrated? Sometimes you can fly off the handle. That's why, uh, that's why the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like, how did that happen? Because the camel was fatigued with everything else that was going on. That's why people in traffic have road rage. It's not just the one person. It's been the traffic the whole time, and it's been mounting up, and then one last person finally did it. All right, one last person did it. That's why sometimes you get somebody goes off on you, and you're like, whoa, what did I do? And you don't realize that they're going off on you because of things that happened prior that day or the day before or that week before, and it's been building up is because they're fatigued, muscle of self-control has given out and you just be the happen to be the fortunate person so the radish eaters they had exhausted their self-control trying to resist the temptation of cookies okay no i'm not gonna eat those cookies i'm not gonna eat it and then finally the puzzle is like i'm done all right okay i can't figure it out i'm out of here right so that's really it they didn't have the self-control left when it came to the puzzle test so with that understanding I wanted to put that out there because if this is the first time you've heard about fasting, you're like, whoa, what a message to start out with. Uh, but I think it's important because fasting is kind of like uh, the wild card that we have in our relationship with God. It's like a secret many people have heard of, but they don't really understand. Why do I do that? Why? I mean, I, anybody here like food, right? We like food. So why would I give it up? Do I have to do that? Let me just say this. No, you do not have to fast in order to get to heaven. Right? You don't have to fast to have that relationship, but I believe that fasting is one of the spiritual disciplines that really kind of fast-tracks the purposes of God in your life. It, it, it really amps things up. It's probably the least practiced and yet the most powerful spiritual discipline that we can have if we'll begin to learn that. So let me give you a definition. I think I have it in your notes there. Fasting is giving up food for a predetermined purpose, for a predetermined period of time. That's it, right? It's not a hunger strike. It's not like, oh man, you know, I'm, it's, uh, it's not forcing God's hand. If I fast, then I'll make God do this. Guess what? We can't make God do anything, all right? It's, not, it, it's more about, like Pastor Colin said, aligning our will with God's will. And sometimes that, and it's not a diet plan either, right? Like, oh, fasting, I wonder how much weight I can lose. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've thought that many times. But it's not a diet plan. However, if you do fast, there's a good chance you might lose a little bit of weight. But that is not the person, uh, the person, that's not the purpose. It's a spiritual discipline. And I'm going to cover in a few minutes seven different types of fast that, uh, that I think is important that we understand that. 
Fasting is something that's been practiced for thousands of years, a lot of different reasons, and the basic idea is that you give up some food, either all food, portions of food, and uh, listen, you can do the media fast, you can fast from TV, but if you want to stick to a strictly biblical purpose, the true fast involves food. Right? It really does. And I think those other things are good. Sometimes we need to take a little break from this stuff. Am I right? Because it can control you. But like I said, if we want to stick with what the Bible's talking about, it has to have some kind of sense and attachment to food. Uh, it's kind of saying to God, I crave you more than I crave food. Amen. It's taken God. This, I'm serious about this. Like if you really like food, then, uh, then you're like, okay, God, I am more hungry for you than I am for food. Amen? So at its very core, fasting is very powerful. It's kind of a reminder when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word, yes, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, God, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really focusing in. And I can just say, as I've looked back over the years in ministry that, that, that we've been in, every time we've had a big move, like from one location to the other, we always preceded it with a fast. Before we came to Freedom Church, we fasted. We're like, okay, God, we want to hear from you, not just what we want, right? Not just what we want. So let me cover some of the basics. Number one, you can fast for a variety of reasons, and uh, you can do it for however, many, however long you want. You can do a two-day fast. You can do a one-day. You can do 10 days. You can do 21 or even 40 days. It doesn't, you know, you're the one that determines that. There's nothing magical about a certain amount of days that you do it, right? It, but there are some biblical precedents. First of all, Jesus fasted, who knows how long? 40 days. Daniel fasted for? No. See, I'm saying there's a test here right here. 21 days he fasted. Esther fasted for three days. And uh, here's the thing. Sometimes I like anchoring my fast to things that I see in Scripture. Because if God answered that situation, how many of you know he's still the same God today? Amen. We're not sure how long Nehemiah fasted. We know that he did, but it led to a spiritual breakthrough. I believe that fasting really kind of disrupts the status quo of our life. Right? Kind of like that rain <laughs> disrupted our status quo, right? Uh, it does that. It inter interrupts the pattern that we're in. And no matter how long you fast for, you need to make that determination of how long it's going to be and exactly what you're going to fast. So Daniel's fast, many of you are familiar with that. It, he reduced his diet to fruits and vegetables. A lot of people, you hear people say the Daniel fast. That's, that's what that is. You can have a complete fast with just water, bread and water. You can do a fast where you eat one meal a day where you eat two meals a day, where you uh, uh, maybe one day out of the week, whatever it is, what's important is to predetermine the length of and to determine what you're going to cut out of your plan. All right, that's really it. So we're starting this next Sunday. We are encouraging 21 days, but you, however long, listen, we're not legalistic about it. Like if you don't do it, whoosh, you know, we're going to crack the whip at you. We, we don't do that. But we want you to hear from God. We're encouraging everybody to do something, right? Because we want to seek God. We want God in everything that we do. So I would recommend if you've never fasted, don't start with, I'm going to fast for 40 days and I'm just going to drink water. Let me ask this. If you've never ran a mile in your life, would you go buy a pair of tennis shoes and say, I'm going to do a marathon tomorrow? 
No way. You're just setting yourself up for failure, uh, for failure because you haven't exercised that muscle of self-control in order to do that. So I would start with something small and work up to it just like you would a marathon, right? So uh, let me just give you seven different fasts. Uh, not necessarily are you going to find these labels in the Bible, They're, uh, uh, but they are different types of fasts that people have done, people in Scripture that are there. Number one is uh, the seeking fast. And I believe this is simply fasting to seek and know God more and deeper. Like, God, I just want to know you more. And, and this is, uh, I've kind of taken this out of Nehemiah chapter 9. When he called for the fast, it says on October 31st, that is the new living. That's why the date's there. But it says the people assembled again. And this time they fasted and dressed in burlap. Let me just say this, first of all, that's optional. You don't have to go out and buy a pair of burlap clothes. So uh, that was a form of humbling themselves back then. So if you want to wear burlap, go for it, right? But, uh, uh, or sprinkling dust on your head. You don't have to do that either, all right? So uh, optional, go for it if you want to. Take a shower before you come to church. But uh, here's, <laughs> so they fasted, and it says those... Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all the foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. And check this out. It says they remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law was being read. Like three hours, they're listening to the word of the Lord being spoken over them. And then after those three hours, for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord their God. Now, I kind of like this formula. You, you tell me what would happen if everybody in the church took a day, spent three hours in God's word, three hours in confession and worship. How many of you, tell me, what, what do you think things would change? Right? I mean, I'm not talking about just our church. I'm talking about the church. Right? That would be powerful. That would be powerful. If we do what they did in the Bible, God's going to do what he does. All right, God's going to do it. They would, we would be able to rebuild this nation. Amen. We're wanting to go at it the world's kind of way, but it's like, if we will really begin to humble ourselves and repent and turn from our wicked ways and spend time with him, how many of you know, that's where revival, we sang that song this morning, God of revival. We want revival, but we don't want to pay the price, right? We want God to do amazing things, but we don't want to do what's required of us seeking after him. So I want to challenge you. Maybe that's one fast that you can do. God, I just want to seek you. Lord, you're my reward. I, I, let me say, come to God and say, God, I'm not looking for what you can do for me. You are my reward. I just want to know you. I want to know your heart because I believe that there's something happens that when you fast, our hearts become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It, it really does. Your heart begins to beat with the rhythm of God Fasting causes that. We get callous, don't we? Right? Even when you know the Lord and he removes that callous heart and you get that fresh heart from him, uh, the longer you serve him, we start getting a little callous. We get, all, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're all excited about the Lord. You're just young in the Lord. Don't worry. After some time, you'll get callous like me, right? 
And it's like, no, fasting kind of resets that, and you begin to have that heart of God again, where, where I don't know how I can explain it. Maybe you're walking down the street, and you see somebody that at one point would have annoyed you because they were in your way. Now your heart's like, man, I wonder if they know the Lord. And your heart begins to go out to them. Instead of coming into a worship service, and it's like, man, I hope that worship team primes me up so that I can worship how many of you know you come in, you're all, because you're spilling over with the Holy Spirit, you're ready from the first note, right? You're ready. It, it's that reset that goes on. So God goes to work on the calluses in our life and, and, and breaks that stuff off and changes our heart. So that's the, that's the seeking fast. The second one that I want to talk about is the favor fast. Anybody ever been in a situation where you just need the favor of God? Like there are circumstances that are coming against you and you're like, God, I need you to open the way. I, I kind of describe the favor of God as God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. Right? Sometimes we try to plow doors open, uh, but if you begin to seek God's favor, God will begin to open the right doors instead of us having to kick things in. And listen, I believe we serve a God that loves to favor his kids. Amen. I'm just going to tell you, I love you guys, uh, but if it came down to it, I love my kids and their spouses and my grandkids the most, right? If I, if I have the money, I'm going to bless them. Not that I wouldn't bless you. If I, let me tell you, if I got a million dollars, I'm going to bless everybody, okay? But uh, we favor our kids. God favors us. And he wants to pour out his favor on us. And I believe that as long as we, we uh, stay in his plan and and purpose, as long as we stay humble and hungry for him, look out because God wants to favor you. God wants to open doors you didn't even know you needed to open. That's like, thank you, God, for your favor. You see favor, God's favor. This was the kind of fast that Esther did. See, she was about to go before a king. She was about to break a law that she could have lost her life. And she knew it very well, like, oh, no, I can't just approach the king. If I, don't, if I approach him and he doesn't want me there, I could lose my life. And she wouldn't have been the first queen that he got rid of, right? So, uh, so she's like, I'm going to fast for three days. She had all of her Israelites, uh, all the Israelites fast for three days in order to, she, when she came to the king, she would have favor. And she did find favor, didn't she? She stopped the genocide of the Jewish people all because of a favor fast. God, I need favor. I need favor. Listen, if you're needing a job, if you're needing a, a door to open, this is a great fast to do. God, I just need your favor. I can't make this door open. I, I can, we do what we can do, and then we got to leave it to God. Amen? Because we can't control anybody. The third one I want to talk about is the discernment fast. And, and this is one that we kind of struggle with because we want God's will, but sometimes our will and those other voices are more powerful and overriding than God's will. Like I've heard people like, oh, I just want the will of God. And they do something that is so unbiblical. And they're like, well, I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. Guess what voice you heard? You didn't hear God's voice. You heard your own voice. So when you have a major decision, I always encourage you. This was the fast, like I said, before we came here, we fasted. God, I need discernment. I need to know if this is your will or if this is just me. I need to know. I don't want to just open door. Before Colleen and I even got married, we both fasted separately. 
And our kids will tell you, before they got married, we encouraged them to take a time of fasting uh, to make sure if this is God. Because, you know, when the love feeling comes along, anybody remember those days? It was like the goosebumps and all of that stuff. And it's like, I just know this is God's will for me. I know that God's bringing the right person because every time I hold their hand, I get these little goosebumps coming up and down, right? What if that's not the person for you? You can honestly go for God and say, God, I just want, this is discernment. Lord, I need to fast because I need to quiet all those other voices down so that I can hear your voice. Amen. And let me just kind of put a caution out there. If you quiet those other voices so that God can say something, he may tell you something you don't want to hear. Right? No, but God, the, the goosebumps, right? That is not the voice of the Lord, okay? Let me just say, discernment fast. Anyway, I could go crazy on that. Let's move on. The uh, slump fast. Anybody ever kind of get in a spiritual slump? You don't have to raise your hand. Like, man, I mean, it's like the fire, you know, sometimes it's like raging, like, oh God, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And sometimes you feel like all you got is a little spark. All you got there, it's like, oh, God, it's all I can do just to get to church, right? And it's easy to get in that rut. In that rut. It's kind of like some of you guys have to have some coffee before you function in the morning, right? It's like fasting is like hot-wiring your spiritual engines. Okay, God, uh, I feel like I'm in a slump. It's time to enter in. It's time to push, like I said earlier, that reset button in my life because, God, I've kind of gone off the rails, right? I've got sideline. And so, Lord, I need to get that fire back in me. I need, I need what you did. Restore unto me, right? Isn't that what King David said? Restore unto me. God is a restorer. So when you find yourself in those situations that's like, okay, God, I got to take a fast. I'm not feeling it, right? Fasting is, nobody really ever feels like it. Oh, man, I just want to pass on all food for right now. No, it's like, God, I need that fire back in me. I found that spark is just like, it's just shimmering, and I need to recharge, Lord. I need to get back in your presence, amen? So that's number four. Number five, I'm going to finish in time, believe it or not. Uh, the breakthrough fast. Anybody ever need a breakthrough? Look what Isaiah 58 says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you, let's all say this in yellow together, break every yoke. Break every yoke. You guys know what a yoke is, right? And you put it on your oxen, and your oxen's a yoke to something else. Listen, some of you guys have been addic- uh, a yoke to addictions, uh, habits that, uh, that have been plaguing you all your life whatever it is, and it's time to break that. It's time to break that. Sometimes that only gets broken through fasting. Didn't Jesus say this only comes about one time by prayer and fasting? Yes, and he was talking about uh, a demonic spirits, but whatever that stronghold is in your life, whether it's demonic, whether it's your own sinful flesh, some of those things aren't going to be broken until you begin to fast. Until you get serious like God, not just like, oh God, I did, you know, the Britney Spears, oops, Lord, I did it again, right? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Lord, help me not to do it again. No, it's like, until we get serious like God, I don't want to do that. You totally threw me off with that laugh, so... (laughs) 
God, I want over, I want victory. Amen. Anybody at that place in your life like, I'm sick of what this is. I'm sick of trying to battle that. God, I want to get into your presence. I need a breakthrough in my life. And it's going to come about as you see God and as you begin to fast and make that a decision. Amen? Amen. So let me get off of this point here. So number six, the gratitude fast. And this is a, you're not really fasting for anything, just saying, God, thank you. Isn't it easy to uh, take the blessings that God has given us for granted? When we begin to take the blessings of God for granted, we start feeling like, oh man, nothing good's happening in my life, right? I can't believe... That's kind of what... I I think Adam and Eve could have gone for a gratitude fast. Because God said you can eat of any tree in the garden except for one single tree. That was it. But all of a sudden, all of the blessings they had, they started eyeballing the thing that they shouldn't have. And I think sometimes that happens in our life. It's like God has given us so many blessings. Every now and then, I just need to have some gratitude. Lord God, I'm giving this up right now, not because I want something, not because I need something, but because I want to express my gratitude to you for the blessings that you have given me. I want to show that appreciation. And then the last one is uh, the dream fast. And I love this because if you want to dream God-sized dreams, I believe you got to get into the presence of God, right? you got to get in there. Fast, nothing does that faster than fasting, getting into God's presence and, and getting on God's wavelength, getting a vision from God. I believe as we practice that, God will begin to download things into your spirit, amen? I believe that he'll do that. I'm not sure how, when, or where, but I know that as you are seeking after him, God will begin to speak to you, amen? So how do I do that? How do I fast? Short answer, stop eating, right? Man, wow, that was breakthrough right there. Uh, How many of you love studies that have no point to them? Like you could have said, duh, right? Like I I read this one that uh, says the key to eating less is using smaller plates, bowls, and cups. Like, thanks, Einstein, right? (laughs) I think I could have figured that. But anyway, here's your challenge for this week. To begin, uh, begin to think about how long you're going to fast. Okay, God, I want to go for the 21 days. I want to go for two weeks. I want to go for one week, whatever it is. If you want to go for 40 or 40 days, go for it. Uh, but determine how long it's going to be. Uh, determine, am I going to do two meals a day? Am I going to do one meal? Am I going to do whatever it is? Make that determine, uh, determination. Determine what you're going to fast. Like I'm giving up cilantro for these next 21 days or the rest of my life. And radishes. I'm just going to say that too. Uh, I'm not going to have that either, but I will eat salad. So anyway, whatever it is, you got to determine what that's going to be and then determine what you will fast, what, what type of fast. So you have the notes, you have those seven different things and you may say, hey, listen, I want to fast for all seven of them, right? That may be you, but it's like pick one area. Listen, this isn't the only time out of the year that you can fast. How many of you know you can fast in February? You can take a two-day, a one-day, a three-day, and, and, and just kind of make that a habit. Listen, it's a spiritual discipline. It's something that the more you practice, I want to tell you, the more breakthrough that you're going to begin to see in your life. So uh, uh, we're going to get ready to close. So I know Robin and Christina are coming up. I just want to share this with you real quick, that uh, 
This was in 1952. A Princeton doctoral student asked Albert Einstein a question. He says, what original dissertation research is left? Like, we've researched everything. We've looked at everything. What is left? And I love this response by Albert Einstein. He says, find out about prayer. Think about that. Find out about prayer. Find out how that works. And so as I get ready to close, my closing thought is find out about fasting. I'm talking about it. Maybe it's something you've done. Maybe it isn't. You find out. You step into that area. Allow God to begin to challenge you in those areas. And you find out what fasting really does. Because it's one thing for me to talk about it. It's another thing for you to begin to experience what God wants into your life. So uh, as, we, uh, as we get ready to close, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 16. He says, when you fast. Notice it doesn't say if. I've heard people say, what do we need to fast for? You know, we're in the New Testament. No, he's not, saying, he's not saying if, he's saying when. And so it should be something that we do. And I want to encourage you not to do it in your own strength. Not to do it in your own power because guaranteed you're going to fail. And uh, Robin is going to sing a song here, Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I want to be led of your spirit. I don't want to just like, okay, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. If you do this without the leading of the spirit, then guess what? You're just missing food. Right? I want to be led of the Holy Spirit. So uh, can I have everybody stand and just make this declaration to God. God, I'm going to fast something. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to fast something. But Lord, I need your Holy I want your Holy Spirit to lead me. So as she sings this song, just make it a prayer unto God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And when I say here, yes, God's always welcome here, but I want you to make it a personal right here. God, I want to hear you. I want to hear you. Amen.
pray over you today, over each one, maybe some watching online. Father, as we start this uh, new year out, Lord God, we make a commitment, Lord God, to you. We want to start it on the right foot and stay on it the whole way, Lord. Father, help us keep our eyes on you. I believe that was the word that came forward. Lord, let us stay fixed on you, the author and perfecter, Lord God, of our faith, the one who began it, Lord God, the one that's going to end it, Lord God, it's only going to be in you. So, Lord, as we start this off, Lord, we want to say, Lord, you have us. Lord God, we surrender to you. We surrender to your way. Whatever this year may hold, Lord God, Father, we keep our eyes on you. Whether good, whether bad, Lord God, we know that you're going to. Lord God, we will get to the other side. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We commit this time to you in your mighty name. Let's all say. Amen. Amen. 